I think what we learn from that is almost like a catharsis, cathar, cathartic system. You said it right the first time, and then you and then you made yourself sound dumb. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alan, and I finally watched Beginners. So Beginners is a movie I saw in theaters. I really loved it. I um, was pretty happy that Christopher Plummer won the Oscar for Supporting Actor right after that. Um, and so it was kind of a, a movie that stuck with me. And you and I have actually been talking about doing this for a while uh, because Christopher Plummer died last month in early February. Um, and then I was kind of strolling around Netflix the other day and I started watching a movie, uh, 20th Century Women, um, and really started enjoying it. And I was like, this is a very like kind of odd movie um, structurally and, and the way the story's set up. And I was like, who directed this? And it was Mike Mills, who is also the director of Beginners. And it's like the only two things he's directed. Besides, you know, there's other shorts and stuff like that. But like the, the two feature films he's directed are Beginners and 20th Century Women. Um, which is pretty interesting, but, but just getting to beginners, um, this is a, a fairly unique movie to me. I don't know if you agree as far as the way the story is set up. It has narration, but the way the narration is done and the purpose of the narration, I think, is pretty interesting. Um, and over, overall, I just, I just really love this movie. So, Alon, having just seen Beginners for the first time, what do you think? Well, let's, let's get one thing straight first, right? Christopher Plummer did not win the Oscar for this movie. Didn't he? For this film? For Beginners? Yeah. He did? Yeah. Why am I... So the first time I'm, I'm hearing about this film is from you, and I feel like... I mean, I, I, I pay pretty close... He won for Best Actor or Supporting? Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Beginners, 2010. He was also nominated for The Last Station in 2009, and he was nominated for All the Money in the World in 2017. And this is the, his only Oscar win. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's amazing in this movie. I'm just surprised at such how, you know, we were talking about how small and compact this movie is. It's so focused on, like, it's a story and B story. And, and I would only call it a B story, but they intertwine so well together that it's just, you know, just almost kind of like a fluid storyline. Uh, but I was just like, I was right when I was getting into it, I like paused to use the bathroom and I went back to like, you know, Oh, finish the movie. It's 10 minutes left of the film. And I'm like, hello. I thought, I thought we were just getting, like, we were just revving up, but the, the film's only an hour and 45 minutes, and I was, like, shocked. Yeah, that it flows that well. I mean, and that's one thing in, in re-watching it, because I probably haven't watched it, and this came out in 2010, so it's been close to 10 years, because I watched it in theaters, and think I may have watched it one time, like, you know, bought the Blu-ray shortly after and watched it one more time. Um, and this movie is somewhat difficult to break down scene by scene like we normally would do because it just sort of all flows together uh it's like one just continuous like thing building on each other and there aren't really like these like scene you know there's not like five to ten minute scenes all that much in this movie it's just like these little kind of chunk blocks of like sets and like they move back and forth from the present and you know, three months in the past, two years in the past, four years in the past. And what, what, what I find interesting too, is they do that fairly fluidly, like we're talking about, but it's not hard to follow in the slightest. And I think that's because of the way the story's set up. You know, it starts off explaining that his father has just passed away. Yeah. And then it explains that he kind of his whole backstory. And I love the setup of like, you know, this is too, you know, we're in 2003. This is the sun. This is the president. This is what this looks like. Oh, here's 1955. This is what life looked like then. That's the year my parents got married. And then like my mom died in, in 1999, you know, and just kind of going through all that. And it, it, 
you know, we talk all the time about whether narration is good for a movie or not. I think this is so uniquely done that it, it, one, you don't feel like it's like, oh, they just add that in to explain things. So it's like, it's interesting to watch. No, there's like, there's like a purpose behind it. It's stylized so that like the narration flourishes in that kind of style, right? Right. But when, but the other point too, is that the narration is kind of necessary so that the dialogue feels true later on. So you're not just like, Oh, that's for our, that's not for, that's not something you would say that's for our benefit listening in, you know? So it explains things so that the rest of the movie flows naturally, but in doing so it's, it's done well. Um, the, the thing I like the most about it is kind of when it was doing the flashbacks when he was a little kid uh, and his mom, him and his mom, because I feel like that's when you really get to know all his cruxes. Cruxes? Hangups? Hangups. Yeah, that's a better word for it. You get to know all his hangups in life, right? Like, why is he like this with her? Or why is he like this with them? Or why does he act like this? And then you get kind of like an understanding of how, I guess you would call his mom, what, neurotic? Uh, a free spirit, uh, neurotic. some might say. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just like really like you see not directly, right? He doesn't become neurotic kind of, but it, it, it causes problems for him in his adult life, you know, making relationships, coping with things, and uh, basically trying to make and maintaining a, a human connection. And I, I like how it's like, hey, the movie's like, there's this guy, he's a weird guy, and then slowly through flashbacks and storytelling, this is why he's a weird guy. And I'm like... But- all right, I like him. You know, it, it makes it makes you like the character. Right. And you're you're talking about how like you know, we see his uh you know, his neuroses, whatever what you you want to call it. I, I think there's two kind of cool little dialogue moments where one, uh you know, his father is sort of drugged up in the hospital and he you know, Christopher Plummer's like, Oh, is this how long have you two been together? And he's like that, you know, that's the nurse. We don't even know her. And he's like, and the father's like, you always have some excuse. Yeah. And then he's just like, well, I don't want to end up like you and mom. And it's like, that's the whole thing, right? Like he, and you don't get a good picture of have these last four years been like this, or is it all of it? And it's probably all of it. Right. But like, right. especially he, he saw that his parents didn't seem to like be a normal loving marriage his whole life and then he finally kind of gets the answer you know when his when his mom dies but the other uh the other scene that sort of um adds to this is uh his father was like you know you're attracted to a lion but you get this giraffe you know you know don't you take the giraffe and i think he's kind of talking about his relationship with uh andy his like his gay lover that he kind of takes oh yeah he he was he was definitely i i hate andy by the way but yeah he was definitely talking about andy We'll talk more about Andy, but then he, uh, Ewan McGregor is like, well, no, I, I wait for the lion and Christopher Plummer's like, yeah, that's, that's what worries me. That's what always has worried me about you. I thought that was really powerful. I, um, the, now, you know, you, you probably have the IMDB up. What is the actress's name? Uh, you mean the, his girlfriend or his, the mom? The, the, the girlfriend. Oh, well, it's Melanie Laurent is the actress. Right. Um, I knew that I without looking it up. Okay, okay. I don't know about you, but if we're comparing giraffes to lions, Melanie Laurent is a freaking lion. She's a lioness. She's good looking. Queen of the jungle. Yes, queen. She is. she is queen. And I was like, I, I've, seen her, I've seen her before. I know her and i'm trying to think and i thought oh was she did she play talia raul in uh dark knight rises because then i was looking up and said no no that's not her but they look so similar don't they look similar (laughs) like like four days ago i saw that video again of like the fake batman where uh talia raul like says that like she's like 
she's tricked him and he's like but we had sex <laughs> right he's like after i was wearing that suit <laughs> like the fake like funnier die video so i don't even remember who plays talia i don't even remember which movie she's in honestly so she was in the um she was in the last one and she is played by oh, man i'm gonna butcher her name it's marion cotillard Marion Cotillard. Cotillard. Marion Cotillard. You know, for being French, Alain, you should be able to tell the difference. Marion Cotillard. They look absolutely nothing alike. I thought. And yeah, could. now that now that you tell me that, I obviously remember her in the movie, but I just like picking up on the the plot of the three Batman movies. I've forgotten. But, a little bit. but I. I was wrong about who she was and where, what movie I saw her from, but I was not wrong about, I did, I have seen her in stuff before. Um, and she was the main chick in Inglorious Bastards. And that's where I know her from. Shoshana. Shoshana. Um, she's, yeah, she's, am- she's amazing. No, yeah. She was amazing in that. She's amazing in this. I was kind of looking it up. She's mostly done the last 10 years uh, French films. It's like still. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, is, I don't know, like, I feel like I don't want to tell her what her life choices are or what her <laughs> options were being, but I feel like she's so amazing in these two things. Like, you would think that she could, uh, and she's done some, like, you know, American work, but nothing that I had actually even heard of too much. So, yeah. I will say I absolutely loved her char- character introduction in this movie, how it was like... Uh, she had laryngitis and she can't speak a word in the first like three scenes that we see her in. And you have to just fall in love with her character right away by no dialogue whatsoever. And I'll say this, you know, there is some like pretty sad moments in this film, but this film altogether is a pretty like meet cute film. Uh, and I just really like, I really like her in the beginning. I mean, of course, you know, later on in the film, she speaks, but in the beginning, you know, she doesn't talk. She has laryngitis. So you just have to get, get to know her and like her through um, her actions and her face. When that, in the, in the little notepad. In the little notepad. I had the thought of like, she's writing very big in that notepad. It's like, what if she like runs out? Like, did she have others stashed away? Like, what does she do? She... She she should have been like more economical with her usage of the notepad. That's what I feel. So so at the Halloween party, which um, he he was Freud, which is great because um, he has so many psychological issues. He has so many mommy issues, so many daddy issues. It's like the perfect guy for him to go as to a Halloween party. Well, what was she? I don't know. At first, I thought she was trying to do like a Charlie Chaplin thing because she like wasn't speaking. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, she was in a suit with like a brown wig. I don't know what she was. I don't know that we get told. I think when I first saw it, it was almost like, is she Freud too? Um, you know what I mean? Because she was like <laughs> younger almost, Freud. Yeah, yeah. Young, hot Freud. Uh, I don't know. And you know, it's funny too, as we talked about like there's no real scenes, but from when they tell uh, his two friends that, that work with him, say, hey, we want to uh, take you to a party. From then until like he like, meets her and then they go back to her apartment and like sleep in the same bed together um that's like one scene like that's the longest scene in the entire movie it's just like one continuous storyline it's like the only one in the movie almost well i mean obviously from different locations if you wanted to cut from the party to the street to the car to her apartment that's like three or four different scenes but I think what you're talking about, and just so the audience gets in like the headspace, is that this movie flows in such a way that it it's not so much scene by scene. Like it doesn't feel scene by scene. It feels more like moment by moment. And the moments last for these incredibly long periods, right? Uh, sometimes, and then sometimes they'll... I mean, it's I, really what it is, is it's one continuous story from when his father dies through him getting together with Anna, sort of breaking up and then sort of getting back together at the end of the movie and giving this sort of hopeful ending. Um, but it's just interspliced with him as a child, 
him finding out his father is is gay the last four years the last year of his father's life all of that sort of and how it's impacted him as a person today and how he's dealing with that through this relationship um so it's like it's one continuous story but with all that just at any moment spliced in um and i think it's one highly effective but two it's just like so interesting to me if you could explain to me because i i think in the beginning maybe for for me at least it was a little confusing on what they were doing because on on one hand it was like my dad died and then on the other hand it was like here's my dad and it took me a second to get into the headspace that i was like oh okay this is um this is going to be edited this way you know in real time and in flashback and i think once you kind of understand that in the in the beginning the rest of the film is super easy to follow and you're like all right this is a flashback and this is you know i the the thing that i found really cool apart from their use of flashback is the like imagery that they'll just like flash up on the screen for 10 seconds, 20 seconds at a time that at first, you know, might have um, nothing to do with the movie, but then it has everything to do with the movie, except, and I'm sure you can explain this to me, the change, the quarters, the dimes, the nickels, the pennies. It, can you explain that to me? Um. Yeah, the, the change was, and I just lost it for a segment and got it back. The change was his father had a, like a malignant carcinoma cancer or whatever. I don't know what they called it. Um, and it was the size of a quarter. And so he was just like, you know, he's got this one thing that's going to end up killing him. It's the size of a quarter. And then it just kind of has all the different permutations of how you would get to 25 cents. Okay. Like, on the on the flash on the screen okay um so yeah it's just like that was just you know another little little touch i do like so the movie the movie starts out explaining that the father's dead right so then you know if you see christopher Plummer after that it has to be in the past it has to be a flashback like it's not present time um i i love when he explains how his father came out to him he's like i imagine him wearing a purple sweater but that wasn't what he's wearing he's wearing more something like this Right. Uh, and I also love the line from Christopher Plummer of like, I don't want to be theoretically gay. I want to be gay. Like, I want to be gay in practice. Right. <laughs> like, I don't want to just say I am and like not do anything about it. Right. Um, and, and I think that leads to a couple things that I really enjoyed from this movie. One, it led to the letter, like the, the personal ad that yeah. he put out, um, which you, you get to know what that says at the end. And then it also led to him revealing to his son, Ewan McGregor, um, that his mom, his wife, knew he was gay. Yeah, and, you, and, you don't get that until way later on, though. No, 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 but I, there's a buildup because there's always this thing, right? There's always this thing that's like, hey, um, back in, you know, whatever, whatever time, you know, in the fifties and in the sixties, they thought gayness was a mental illness. And that's why, and you get it, you know, that's why he never wanted to come out. He knew he was gay when he was 13 years old, but he never wanted to come out because, you know, he would have been shamed and he would have been imprisoned and he would have been, you know, ostracized by this, by society. Um, and then when you find out or when, you find out, but also when he finds out that his mom knew, that answers everything that he wondered about his parents' relationship. And it, it, I thought it was just like really, really well done. Right. I, I do think the the scene where he finally like, and it's the lion draft scene that we were talking about earlier. It's kind of all in that. Um, he explains to him that you know your mom knew but she like we were friends and she wanted to marry me anyway. Uh, Ewan McGregor kind of handles that pretty like well. And then it like sort of passes. I thought that would have been a bigger, like kind of realization for him. And like, a like, Oh shit, really? Like I just assumed that you had like almost lied to her this whole time. Um, it's, but it, it kind of is like a thing we find out and then we sort of move on from it. Um, Do we though? 
Because, yeah, like we move on from the story, but I think the, I think what we learn from that is almost like a catharsis, cathartic system. You said it right the first time and then you, and then you made yourself sound dumb. Okay. Um, Right. Because you, I feel like this whole movie is about grief, uh, catharsis and, and getting over something. Uh, because it starts out with him getting rid of everything in his father's house. Um, but then it's also like, it's all throughout the movie. It's him trying to get over this and him trying to get over that and figuring out, Oh, this is why I'm so messed up. Let me not repeat history. And I mean, I'm surprised you saw this in theaters because this is not a movie I would see in theaters. I would wait for it to, you know, VOD or something just because this movie is so simple, so small. I don't think you need like a 60 foot screen to, to view it. Um, I, I just, it is simple, but everything that it sets out to accomplish is done in such a way that by the end of it, you're like, what did I just watch? But also you're like really satisfied with what you just watched. Right. And uh, I think that all comes down to, and I know I'm like, I'm skipping and we'll come back to it and everything, but that, that's, that for me, it all comes down to him giving Andy a hug. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I think maybe we could end this talk about your feelings about Andy. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny too, because when he, he has to give the dog to somebody, and the dog just won't stay with anyone. It always barks when when he tries to leave. But then when he gives the dog to Andy, um, the dog doesn't bark because the the dog like is used to Andy, loves Andy, whatever. And I honest, I honestly was like, oh wait, does he end up just like giving the dog to Andy? Like I, I thought, like, I thought that's where they were gonna go with it. Yeah, that would have been it. it it's it's kind of um, it's interesting because like. And it's, I guess, part of the point of the movie, right? Is like Andy and because Andy and his dad were gay, they couldn't marry even if they had wanted to. But and so it was like more, dif- especially like back then, it would be more difficult for Christopher Plummer to have like passed, well, not Christopher Plummer, but the character he was playing to like pass anything to Andy, right? So most likely, Ewan McGregor's character is going to get everything, and so he gets to decide what's what happens to it. Um, and so having said that, you know, oh, it would have been nice for him to give Andy the dog too, but then right, like, you know, Ewan McGregor, it's his dad and this dog is like kind of a final piece of his dad. It's like a living embodiment of this like thing that his dad loved. So, you know, you can also see why he, I'm not like, no, I want to keep it. I love the dog. Uh, no yeah absolutely especially the conversations with the dog especially the conversations with the dog when they're at the and we'll get back to your feelings on andy so don't think you skipped over that but i love when he's at the park and he's like you need to go you need to go with your people you know i'm just a human like (laughs) you you need to go be with them Uh go play with the other dogs uh and then the dog gets his own subtitles which kind of goes into like oh he's kind of neurotic himself because he imagines the dog uh you know, talking back to him, but, but also what's so funny is that it's like all his negative thoughts that he has on the perspective of his own life. Uh, for example, like when he's with Anna and they break up and he looks at the dog and the dog's subtitles say like, Hey, you and I knew this would never work even before we met her, you know, just like totally shitting on him, but it's just himself like talking himself down. Right. What? So David, what was like, I, I have my answer, but what was your favorite part of the movie? Um, one, one thing I really liked is one, the party scene where they first meet. Yeah. But two, like that whole party scene and his relationship with his two friends, um, Elliot, and then the woman was named Shauna, but Elliot sort of has a more major role throughout, but when they ask him to go to the party and then the next scene, they're both just dancing as he's sitting on the couch for no reason. Yeah. is just pretty hilarious to me. Um, and then I love when he goes out with Elliot and does like the graffiti. It's just this like tiny little subplot. 
Oh, so I totally forgot about the graffiti, <clears throat> but I absolutely love the stuff that he wrote. And Elliot, so, you know, the graffiti comes up twice because he's with Elliot and they introduce him doing, you know, like silly shit, like uh, historical references, which is great. But then when he brings Anna with Elliot and his girl to go and do graffiti, Elliot pulls him aside. He's like, hey, um, quit it with that serious stuff. And, and Yeah, don't do know. that consciousness bullshit you've been doing. Yeah, <laughs> girls people, like funny. Girl, Girls like funny. And I was like, I thought, I was like, that was funny. Like the 1985 Britney Spears shit. Like that was funny. I, I get, it was also very like, oh man, wow, that was... You know, thinking about, I guess Britney Spears has become a lot more relevant in the past like month or so. Yeah. Uh, with hashtag free Britney. Um, but yeah, like it was funny seeing like, oh yeah, that's what we were talking like 2003 and then 10 years ago in this movie. Count- oh, that's what we were talking about. Um, I also like the, uh, the plot of like what his job is that he like does like just art, but then he does a lot of like cover like cd jewel case covers for cds yeah but these bands just keep wanting him to do the same thing that he did one time yeah and um, he, he tried to like kind of be creative and kind of like use it as an artistic outlet and then they were just like no 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 and you know what i think this is all like it's cool right and it's only little moments like the graffiti and his job and the band that didn't like his art but I think this all comes down to who he is as a character and what he feels about society and life and not without getting like too deep and, you know, philosophical about it. But don't you get from all of that, that he like feels like a prisoner, like everything and everyone is kind of like has a hold on, on what he does in his own life. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like he feels unfulfilled. Um, you know, he tries to do something new for this band. You know, one thing I, I noticed is he like, he's like, oh, if you do something once and people love it, like that's all they're going to ask you to do. And then he starts like tracing the bands, like just putting a piece of paper over like their photos. And like, that's how he does his art, which I thought was like. Yeah, but it's cool. It's cool. It's like an his he does that, but it's his own style. I, it's his own I, technique. I get it. I also I loved the art aspect of this movie. I hated the art. The actual art, I was like, it's just which, ugly looking. Which part? The the just his drawing style specifically. Okay. I was like, I don't you know really his, like it. You know that scene where him when he's little walks into the museum with his mom. I thought you were just like I all that all that all that art in the museum. I hate it. Whole fucking museum sucks. I just um, hate art. You just hate art. Um. But I, I like that he, I like the scene of he tries to get the band to su- do something else, right? And they're just like, nah, we really want. Well, it's a little political, thing. isn't it? He tries to be, make them a little, little political about. I thought it was like the history of sadness. Or it was the second time. I don't remember what the first one was. The first time was like the first. Maybe. Gay, the first gay man who was diagnosed with mental illness for being gay. Maybe, you know, because we see him drawing that the whole time, too. But right. then they're like, no, we just want our band photos. And then he does a whole nother thing, and they're just like, no, 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 we already told you. And I, I kind of thought, like, does, at that point, did they just fire him, which is what I think happens? Or does he just, like, refuse, like, no, I'm no longer doing just traced band photos. Like, you guys have to go somewhere else, you know? <laughs> right. Um. I'm actually on the opposite spectrum uh, about the art, about you are. Uh, I actually really liked his, uh, his drawings. I thought they were cool. You want to fight about it? I understand. You're just going to leave it at that? No, I just think like, you know, it's, it's relative, right? People have different opinions and I was just giving you mine. Yeah. I do agree with you though, that it's like demoralizing that he like, he's like almost hit with this, you know, he meets Anna and like, he's kind of like come to peace with his dad dying. And so he has this big moment of like, I want to do this big concept. Right. And the band just like, nah, do that thing we want to pay you for. Yeah. And then he's like, let me try one more time. This huge concept about the history of sadness. Da, 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 Cause he's going through sort of the, the, a, a little bit of a bad time with Anna. No, no. And now you're, you're, you're kind of fired. Um, so like I, I get that and I love it in the movie. I'm just saying like 
I wouldn't hire him to draw my my CD cover. Is all I'm saying. Okay, I would. Um, the the thing too is that, I mean, look, you want to talk about Andy? Let's talk about Andy. Let's talk about why I don't like him. I'll tell you why I don't like him right now. Go for it. Okay. I found it annoying how he thought Ewan McGregor's character didn't like him because he was gay. Well, uh, and it uh, it doesn't come up just once. It comes up, you know, kind of in the middle, kind of right at the end. And it's like, dude, he doesn't have a problem. He didn't have a problem with you being with his dad. He didn't problem. He didn't have a problem with his dad coming out. It's like, no it's like it's bigger than that you know he has a problem with like intimacy as a whole and it probably scared him to see his dad so intimate and like in love with with uh it it wasn't like the fact that he was gay right it's just he probably never saw his dad in that kind of emotion um emotional state um but then andy turned into something that was just like annoying he's like hey you're probably scared of me because you're straight i'm gay and you never had sex with a guy i just felt i just felt it was so like projective of him i just yeah i think that's i think that's the purpose of the character and i i do agree and like i brought up that andy tells the nurse like i have every right to be here even though she's like hasn't said a word to him uh telling him he needs to leave but at the same time, I think, like I said, I think that's that's a purposeful character to kind of show potentially what it could be like to deal with that in that time period, right? And well, let me also ask you: Does does anyone ever tell Andy that Christopher Plummer is, has cancer and he's going to die? I think eventually you have to figure out that he knows, right? But he wasn't told you know he wasn't told very recent after you know when christopher Plummer first finds out from the doctors he's like you have you know some amount of months to live no christopher Plummer doesn't tell him and then uh ewan mcgregor doesn't tell him i i guess once the symptoms start showing up then that, that it becomes obvious but um <laughs> I like Christopher Plummer's like, Oh, you know how he is. I just, I can't deal with that. Like I don't, you have to tell him I can't, I can't handle it. And then he goes to tell him and he can't tell him and he goes back to his dad and he's like, I couldn't tell him. And, and Christopher Plummer's like, I understand. Yeah. I get it. Um, I think Christopher Plummer is, has some of the funniest lines in this. I love when he calls and he's like, I'm not sorry. I woke you up. I started hearing the best music tonight. And he's like, he's like i think you're describing house music he's like oh house music all right (laughs) that sounds great yeah he's hilarious like you know he him being like how old is he 75 year old man yeah discovering that okay he's gay i'm not discovering that he's gay but discovering like a modern like a postmodern gay revival that he just like missed and him trying to enter that world and just being like an older man and kind of going through the trials and tribulations of being like an older gay man who just came out in this like very young gay man scene. So you have like these couple of parties and these couple of get togethers that he's hosting for his gay friends. And they're all like very comfortably like 20, 30 years younger than him. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all different ages. And I think that too, you know, you're talking about uh, Andy thinks that Oliver, Ewan McGregor is standoffish. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, his dad takes out the personal ad at one point because he says, oh, Andy's not being monogamous. So it's like, I'm not going to be monogamous either. And so it's got to be weird. Your dad, you've like reversed roles, right? Because like your dad is now out there dating. Right. And this dude like whether it's a guy or a girl is like oh doesn't want to be monogamous and you can see it's probably hurting your father right and you're like would probably be a little protective that they don't really go with that that doesn't like carry off they don't like that plot line they don't really keep moving with it because it seems like like eventually andy like moves in and is like all right you know um you know is sort of becomes monogamous with christopher Plummer. um 
but I think that would play into it too of just like, it'd be weird to like your father starts dating. And obviously the fact that your father comes out to you for the first time, yeah, that will make it more weird. But I think just the dating in general, dating someone so much younger than you, someone that's like not willing to commit to them, like all of that has to add to like the complexity of his relationship with Andy. And you, Christopher Plummer's relationship with Andy or Oliver's relationship. Oliver, with Andy. Ewan McGregor's relationship with Andy. Well, also, yes, but take all of what you just said and then add him trying to build a relationship with Anna. Right. I also, by the way, you, t- you brought up um, <laughs> when Ewan McGregor tries to tell Andy that the father is sick. Um, and he, he said that the line of what I do, most people wouldn't even consider it sex. And Oliver just makes like a uh, face. Yeah. And then afterwards, he's like, I couldn't tell. him. <laughs> Two other really funny Christopher Plummer's lines where he's like, oh, they just call it stage four. It's, it's not that bad. And you remember, like, there's no stage five. The other part I love is Christopher Plummer is sort of dictating like the story, the story of Jesus about how he like, he dies of old age and like with his disciples and you and was like, you just rewrote the story of Jesus's death. And he's like, well, the other one is far too violent. You know, uh, as we're explaining this, what's occurring to me is that there is so much going on. And, you know, I, I keep saying this is a very like simplistic film, quite small in it's, in it's, uh, you know, spectrum of things, but, they fit so much in here by just having like this scene is a minute long. This scene is a couple minutes long. This scene is 45 seconds long. And all it's doing is just building these characters, like giving you little pieces of like these characters that all fit into this, like one big puzzle that is this person. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel drawn out. It doesn't feel like they're dragging you. If anything, by the time you get to the ending, it hits way more powerful because you know the the you know the this person, you know what this person is thinking, you know the quirks that this person has. And so when they do something, you can always relate it to something that the movie has already explained it to you. And I think that's what makes the flow of this movie so fluid. What's funny is we're talking about it and it's like 90% of our conversation is about Christopher Plummer. First of all, he's not even the main character. And second of all, this, he's not even part of the main storyline. But really everything that happens with Oliver and Anna, you know, it all stems from the Christopher Plummer storyline. So it, it almost feels like the A story and the B story is almost kind of reversed, right? It almost feels like, the B story, which is the, I guess, if you want to call it the Oliver and, and his dad storyline, is far more interesting than whatever happens with Anna and Oliver. Well, but, because but you both said, have to happen. Right. And you, when you describe this movie as simplistic, I would say that the Anna and Oliver, Ewan McGregor and Melanie Laurent story is simplistic, right? So they meet they're at a party and she's like, you know, why are you at a party if you're so sad? Which I think is a really cool, it's a really cool moment. Cause it's like, she sees through him right away. And yeah. He's like, Oh, I thought I was doing a great job of hiding it. Um, they decide to go back to her apartment. Right. You get, uh, even before the- that, even before that, which a, a part that I like absolutely fell in love with was that he left the party and right before that, they exchanged numbers, right? He left the party. He's walking to his car, which is probably like a block away. And before he can even get to his car, she texts him. Calls or him. She, she calls him in her laryngitis state, not saying a word, like using the, the dial tones of the number to like, you know, one beep yes, two beep no, to just be like, hey, listen, I, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I want to see you uh, right now. Let's hang out more, even, you know, post-party. Um, I thought that was just really, that's a cool chick move, right? It is. It's, it's funny too, that if either one of the, if he just thinks like, all right, well, that's a little too fucking fast. You know what I mean? Like in today's dating one, you're just like, all right, they're too into me. I got to back off. Yeah. Um, and then you get like, (laughs) gives me swinger vibes. (laughs) (laughs) She's a clinger. Um, 
but then you uh you get like the scene where he tells her to point and you know they'll just go and like you see the flashback of his mom used to do that with him um oh that reminds me and i i want you to get right back to what you were saying but when he walks into the house and he's like hi house and he's like hi oliver and then you're like well that's weird and crazy but then you find out that that's what his dad does it's kind of turns into a sweet moment you know no yeah absolutely well in the yeah and like the things he gets from his mom like the the pointing when driving i I love when she tells him to go into a room and scream and he's like i don't feel like screaming she's like you will you will (laughs) um but what i had the thought is you know they end up back at her apartment and it's this kind of sweet moment where she's like can we just go to sleep together you know not have sex and he's like absolutely and they fall asleep together it's like without getting intimate with each other it's like such an intimate moment where they've just moved so fast well without without getting physical yeah right getting physical but they still get intimate which i thought was like really awesome knowing what you know about him um that kind of intimacy that kind of physical intimacy would have probably scared him off or done something bad with that relationship but i think because they took it the way they took it for his situation it was like the perfect thing he needed right right did you also notice that in the b storyline in the flashback when he was thinking about his father and his father's death and kind of like the uh, catharsis that he felt with him coming out and his mom knowing and him realizing his mom knowing that's when in the a story they slept together so everything that happens between the two storylines always have something to do with each other which I think that's another reason the the movie just flows. Yeah, right. Like things are going really well for his dad. Like his dad's found someone. His dad's got these group of people. Oliver meets Anna. Things start kind of going bad for his dad. Like he gets the health scare. And then he like as things are moving with Anna, things kind of like take a, you know, a, a bad step. Um, I, I do think it was interesting. She's like, oh, you know, I don't want to move. You know, I, I she kind of almost wants to end end things with you and mcgregor because she doesn't want to hurt him but it's like they've moved so fast like that they're they you can kind of tell like they're kind of already in love after just like a day together or a couple days together that it's like well it's too late you know what i mean like you're both going to be hurt so it's like you might as well keep it going and she even says like you know no i don't i want to i want to keep it uh i want to stay together with you you know talking about when the like you know when the good thing happens with his dad, the good things happen to him. His dad starts to pass away and and finally die and and they kind of break up. I love at the end, and I think it's almost like the perfect ending, right? Is when these two storylines kind of come together in this like reality um, in the same time frame, right? So he makes a big power move, right? So they've broken up, she's moved back to New York. He's thinking in his head, like, okay, I need to make a big romantic gesture. I need to go and I need to like go to her door and and be there for her and show her that I actually, you know, give a fuck. Right? Right. At the same time, he's like, what am I gonna do with my dog's my dog's dad? <laughs> my dad's dog, right? Right. So this is what we talked about. He gives it to Andy to watch as he goes to New York to try to win the girl back. That's when he gives Andy the hug. He finds that final like catharsis with andy in relation to his dad at the same time he's making the gesture she's not in new york but that's okay because you can tell you know how happy she is that he made the attempt to go see her yeah her her smile when she finds out that he's at her apartment is just like all right like as the audience if you're like rooting for these two to get back together you're like okay that's like a good sign cuz you know she's in love you know she she yeah. appreciates what he's done and and it's not like oh what's this creep showing up at my door and he she like not only that but i thought it was a, such a sweet moment where she was like hey the keys under the radiator or behind the radiator and she's like walking him through the apartment to like get to know her better i thought that was an awesome scene well, yeah, and you know, obviously, Ewan McGregor is the main character, but we do get a lot of Anna Melanie Laurent's like backstory, like that her mom, you know, she didn't really have her mom; she was mostly with her dad. 
you know, it's it's interesting. Her dad I, wants to call her and constantly remind her that he wants to kill himself, which is, by the way, it's such a French move, I have to say. I mean, no comment. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I thought it was interesting at the party when she, uh, he asked about the mom and she's like, I don't have a mom. And then ask about the dad. She does the signal of like shooting in the head. Right. And it's like, oh, like, is the dad already, you know, at that point, like, what did your dad kill himself? But oh, I thought, out, I thought he's like, just like, like, um, I don't want to talk about it. Like, oh, he's such a pain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, so he goes to New York, you get that moment where she's like so happy that he did. And like, it means like, okay, he, he wants to try and make this work, but she has this baggage too. Right. That like, it's kind of funny that as soon as they move in together, things stop working. Cause you have like montage after montage of them hanging out and being together, him coming over constantly. And then as soon as they move in together, it's like, as his dad said, you always find a reason and like things don't seem to work out. Right. And she, she plays a little into that too. Right. She like doesn't unpack her bags and put this in like, you know, in put her stuff in his like, the area he's given her to like put her clothes. One thing um, about that is when he wakes up and she's not in the bed next to him and she's sleeping on the couch and she's like, Oh, I couldn't go to sleep. I didn't want to wake you. So I went out here. It just, I, without saying anything, it just made me know that like, no, she's, she slept the entirety out there. Yeah. But she also was doing that even at the hotel. So, I mean, it like, but my, my point is like, she's, it's something she has to get used to too, but she's not the one that wants to end things. She, she wants to give it a try. And so, yeah, like you get that moment in New York and then when he comes back, you get the actual like finality of him finally hugging Andy and being like, man, it wasn't, it wasn't because you were gay. It was, you know, as he says, it was just because like of the relationship you had with your dad. And then without saying it's all the other shit that you and McGregor was dealing with in the movie in his head. Right. Um, And then you get them just sort of sitting together and uh, him and, Anna, you know, at the end and like the smiling and like, I, I, I never mind happy endings, but I do like the hopeful nature of this ending of like, we don't, it's not like we're like, oh, six months later, we're at their wedding, but it's like, right. you know, that at least things are going to work out enough to where they're like, they're going to give it a real chance. Yeah, no, I was super happy with the ending. I was super happy how this movie turned out. Cause like, I, you know, this movie's an hour 45 at the hour 35 mark they broke up. I was like, how the hell is this movie going to come back to like end in the last 10 minutes? It does. It does it well. Um, yeah. I need to watch his other movie. What did you say it was called? 20th century woman. Yeah. And it's, what's interesting too. And I don't want to say much, but it, the story basically is about a, a son who has like a single mom um, as a parent and doesn't have a relationship with a father it's like the transverse of the other movie, but there's a lot of connections in it that almost make it feel like maybe the reason he's only done two movies is because they're somewhat autobiographical. So uh, wait, David, do you, do you smell that? Cause that smells like a bomb back. <laughs> why, why do you always do this? I don't understand. I, I look, you have to admit, I haven't related a movie that we've reviewed to a bomb back in a, in a quite a while. And I feel like this is uh, this has to be one of the times. It would have been quite impressive if you related Sunshine to a Bombac movie, let me tell you. Well, really, when, um, <laughs> when Chris Evans sacrificed himself at the end of that movie, it, was, it felt like a real Dustin Hoffman move. Oh, speaking, even, of du- speaking of Dustin Hoffman, he was in Chef, and, and Bombac uses Dustin Hoffman, so honestly, I could, have, I could have related Chef. Anyway, I think that 20th Century Women is a movie that you should watch and that we should talk about. I think also talking about it in relationship to this movie would be pretty interesting. I got it. Uh, when Cecilia and Murphy was fighting with Chris Evans, that reminded me of Ben Stiller fighting with uh, <laughs> Adam Sandler. Adam, Adam Sandler, and uh, I think that was very much like that was brotherly love, but that was also quite a rivalry. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're ridiculous. Thank you. Um, a couple more like moments I love in this movie before we wrap this up. I love when. Uh, after she gets her voice back, she tells Ewan McGregor, you can ask me anything. And he's like, okay, what's that? She's like, that's a tree. <laughs> and that's a building. Well, it was off, building it was off of a joke that he was raised by animals and he didn't know anything, right? That's kind of- Yeah, well, it was just was also really a funny cute. thing of like, 
she's like, you know, I'll be honest with you. Da, da, da. And he's like, well, you know, I trust you. I don't need to ask you these, these deep questions. And I also love the roller rink thing where she, Melanie Laurent just gets like really pissed that the dog's not allowed to be in there. Yeah. And the lady working the thing is like, I don't know what she's saying, but I don't like it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, like I said, there's just these, like, this movie is jam-packed with, like, minute-long scenes that that really, you know, and all they do is just explain who Oliver is. And I think that's all the film really sets out to do because at the end, uh, you know, when you get the ending, it's it, it's satisfying. And I think it it would only work if all those tiny little stupid scenes that you might not make sense while you're watching the film. Uh, it only works when they're in it. So yeah, I, I, I like this movie. I like this movie more than I, I thought. I will say one final thing is I didn't get why it was called Beginners. And I watched the whole thing. And then at the very end, cut to black, the title pops up, Beginners. And I was like, yeah, that's a perfect title for this movie. Because his dad was 76. And he was just beginning to find out his you know relationship uh, being gay. And Ewan McGregor is like, what is he, like early 30s, maybe even later, late 30s in this? He's just beginning to kind yeah, of like, right yeah, he's just beginning to kind of like understand what being in a real relationship is like and not just abandoning it at the first sign of, you know, hardship. And it's like, I think no, for me, the title of this movie really speaks to like, no matter what age you are, you know, whether he's a flashback and he's like 12 years old, his mom is however old you know, and still like super neurotic. His dad is 70. He in the present time is like in his thirties. It's like, no matter what age, don't ever be afraid to like begin your life. I mean, that, that's, that's what it was to me. I don't know if that's different for you. Um, no, I didn't look too deeply into why it was called that, but I, I do like your explanation. I really like this movie because I think not only does it explore like Ewan McGregor's character, but I think it does a pretty good job of exploring Melanie Laurent's character and then Christopher Plummer's character. Um, am I saying Melanie Laurent right? You're like the French expert of the two of us. Am I close? Yeah, yeah, you're good, man. So I think the fact that it takes these three different characters and kind of does a pretty good job of like developing them and Andy to a certain extent too, although he's probably more like one note. He's more just like, everything about him is the fact that his like he feels constantly like questioned and judged about his sexuality but to to have a movie that kind of like takes all of like these issues that Ewan McGregor's dealing with but then shows like this kind of beautiful relationship that she's able to develop and show like the the life that Christopher Plummer was able to get like at in his last years because you know, he only got four years from when he, you know, determined to start living as a gay man to until he died. You know, I think it's just like a beautiful movie overall. And like the message is, is, is great. And so I, uh, it's one I really love and I can't wait to, for you to watch 20th Century Women and us discuss that one as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Beginners.